the Power Pack Morning Zoo. Are you kidding me? Fire! It's the greatest radio show ever. Good morning and welcome. Dan Mickley. He's a very successful writer. Vince Morata. Let's cut the crap, Mr. Morata. Sarah Gazelle. She's got a job working with a bunch of wackos. And Jerry Carlin. you know from funny Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mickley and Morata Mornings. Good morning, happy Thursday, Valley sports fans. Bickley and Murata to you. We are broadcasting live to us. We're just two dudes screaming in the darkness, Vinny. Pretty much. We are broadcasting live for the first time in years. Well, on we broadcast live every day on on remote. On remote. <laughs> on low cats. What I this mean. used to be like a. This used to be a thing in the radio world. And yeah, then I, I forget what happened like Something four happened, years there ago. There was some sort of shift in <laughs> paradigm shift in, in, in the way people looked at live remotes. I'm not sure what it was. Yeah. But, yeah, how about it? Live at Diamondbacks spring training today. Yep, Salt River All Fields day. a talking stick. Yep. they got a game today at 110. Mm-hmm. Kind enough to invite us out. We're going to be out here once uh, next week as well, getting yep. ready for baseball season. And we've talked so much about the energy around the Diamondbacks. Already saw Tori Lovello here early yeah. this morning. Oh, yeah, and, and and it took about three seconds to realize just what great energy Tori Lovello has. He's just got that natural, friendly curiosity. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's not really any grumpiness in him. And if you're not, not grumpy at 545, it's pretty indicative yeah, really of how is. you are the That's, rest of the day. Well, it kind of is. Kind of a, a window into your soul, if yes. you will. I'm so, always surprised when anybody in the world is working at the same time that we are. It. It, it kind of hit home for me too, like pulling in, and you see, like, there's a bustling of activity. Uh, you know, baseball running major league sports franchises isn't yeah. around the clock. Well, we I, we forget about that. Well, there's people listen, out here at three in the morning. As I said to Vinny earlier, this is a very strange experience for Vinny because generally he travels 300 feet to work every day, <laughs> so he doesn't really even see what is going on around him. Commute. What you is actually that? had to get in a vehicle and go. I did. <gasps> Stress level with that, by the way. It was fine. Oh, good. You went and got Fantastic. a cup of coffee. There's no traffic Fantastic. either. Last Fantastic. Super Bowl, I think, was the last time that you guys were on remote. That is true. We did uh, we did a week of shows out of Radio Row. That was it. So maybe Kevin Durant will get traded. Too. Oh, no. Because <laughs> that's what happened last time, right? <laughs> that is true. That is true. By the way, today's a bonus day, 2024. Leap year, yeah, February 29th. A good point. Uh, right. I looked up famous people who were born on February 29th because I don't know anybody personally with this birthday. Yeah. Tony right. Robbins. There you go. There's, motivational there's, speaker. There's our Mock My World topic right there. Famous leaps. There you go. It's done. It's done. Tyrese John. Halliburton was born on Leap Day. Was They left him off this we, list. Today is his birthday. Wow, Cincinnati.com. So he, yes, he's he's 24 he's, years old. Oh, so he's yeah. or six. six. Yeah. 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 Don't forget yeah. Leap Dave Williams. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really sturdy rock. I know, I don't know what he's talking about. Good job, Ja, Ru- ja well Rule born today, too. Yeah, it's murder. <laughs> okay, can I tell you this about Ja Rule? I accidentally, I didn't. I would never see him intentionally, but one time in New Orleans during, a, I think, a Final Four, maybe a Super Bowl, he was like at the, uh, he was performing at the media party. Yeah. I've never heard a live performer sing so out of tune in my life, ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> I have never heard a vocalist with so little musical talent in my life. I don't know. Thank you, Dan. 
You're second, Jared. Uh, that was wow. Wonderful. He doesn't consider you a performer. Oh. Okay. At least you write good lyrics, Jared. Uh, did you hear the, the uh, video that's going viral of the eight-year-old girl who sang the national anthem at the Pacers game? Yeah, I heard about. I didn't see it. We She's can, wrapped like in a flag. Is we, that what the one? We can hear it later if you want. Oh, really? Okay. I think there's like 27 levels of child abuse going on. Oh, no. <laughs> really? Oh, it's, yeah. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> All right. A very special day, as we have just told you. We are broadcasting live. Start the show, Ferret. The Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Splash. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Suns return for three days off since their last game. Tonight, they host the Houston Rockets at Footprint Center. Second of three meetings between the two teams on an eight-day stretch. The Rockets won in Houston last Friday night. They will also meet Saturday night in downtown Phoenix. Suns come in at 34-24. and 24. Rockets 25-33. and 33. They've lost eight of their last ten, but one of those wins against the Suns. Bradley Beal listed as questionable with that hamstring injury. He's missed the last four games. Eric Gordon also questionable with left groin soreness, uh, which is a terrible name for a band. Tip-off tonight, 7 o'clock. You can hear it all here on Arizona Sports on 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app, beginning with pregame coverage at 6 o'clock. Uh, so a little respite for the Suns, a little rest. Uh, Bradley Beal upgraded to questionable. Okay. <laughs> we'll, I guess we'll take that. Yeah, we'll, and I'm sure it's going to be another pregame workout situation that uh, determines whether or not right. he's going to go. But right. I would not be surprised to yeah, see him listen, not play tonight. And we're going to get into this today, but I, I do like the way that this little schedule break is set up for the Suns. Three days off, two very winnable games. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a training camp and a couple of exhibition games before the real stuff gets started. Because uh -oh. those final 22 are going to be the real deal. Yes. Last night, the NBA, Indiana did the Suns. Suns a favor. They beat New Orleans 123-114. Denver Cruz passed Sacramento 117-96. Jamal Murray had 32. Chicago went two overtimes to beat Cleveland 132-123. DeMar DeRozan at 35. Minnesota wins again over Memphis. Dallas bounced back on Luka's birthday with a 136-125 road win in Toronto. And he had a triple-double. 30, 11, and 16. How much Luka had last night? Uh, two slices of I think... <laughs> There were, no survivors. there were no survivors. I think he probably froze the cake, uh -huh. and uh, he'll attack that in the offseason. Okay, got it. And then got it. <laughs> work it off in September. Uh, the Lakers overcame a 21-point deficit at the end of the third quarter to beat the Clippers 116-112. to 112. LeBron went nutty. He had 19 of his 34 points in the fourth, including five three-pointers. The Lakers had five three-pointers in the first three quarters of the game, then hit nine in the fourth. Total. I mean, they played well, but the Clippers just totally folded. Yeah. Hey, you were right. The Clippers have kind of fallen off yeah. a bit. After Wednesday's action, the Suns sit alone in fifth place. Percentage points ahead of the Pelicans, who have two more uh, played two more games than them. Dallas sits in seventh. The half game back, Sacramento is eighth. One game behind the Suns. The uh, Suns do trail fourth place L.A., the Clippers, that is, by three and a half. Uh, it was not a 45-point blowout like it was earlier this month in Tucson, but the Arizona Wildcats did beat the Arizona State Sun Devils again. 85-67 at Desert Financial arena in Tempe. ASU started cold. Arizona built an 18-point first-half lead, but the Devils chipped it away 
to five with just over seven minutes to play. Wildcats outscored them 24-11 the rest of the way to win comfortably. Kylan Boswell had 17 to lead the Cats, five of them in double figures. Adam Miller had 16 off the bench to lead ASU. Devils done for the week. Wildcats will host Oregon Saturday in Tucson. GCU trying to get back in the win column tonight. They lost consecutive games to Tarleton State and Abilene Christian on the road last week. Still 24-4, and and they host UTRGV tonight. Uh, just flows off the tongue. At Global Credit Union Arena, tip-off is at 7. Uh, Coyotes road trip continues. They're hoping their losing streak uh, doesn't continue. They lug their 13-game skid with them to Toronto to face the Maple Leafs tonight. Toronto beat them last week 6-3 in Tempe. Faceoff is at 5. You can listen on the Arizona Sports app or ArizonaSports.com. D-backs got an 8-6 win over the Guardians in Cactus League play in Goodyear. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. had his first home run of the spring in the fourth inning, and Brandon Fott started, gave up two runs on two hits in one inning of work. Tommy Henry came in in relief of Fott and was good once again. Three no-hit innings for Henry. D-backs back here at Salt River Fields today facing the Giants at 110, and we have to contribute to the circus that is the L.A. Dodgers. Yoshinobu Yamamoto made his uh, spring debut yesterday. Two scoreless innings, three strikeouts. He looks filthy. I don't know if you've watched footage of him. He looks filthy. Yeah, and if you just look at the number, he had a one. More filthy than Jarrett looks. Oof. That's filthy. (laughs) That's filthy filthy with a PH. Yes. Uh, He had a 1.23 ERA all season last year in Japan. Right. Yeah. And that's like the second best professional league in the world. Right. I know. (laughs) I know. And again, I said earlier that day in camp when Shohei faced Yamamoto was baseball's first $1 billion matchup between pitcher and hitter. Yeah. (laughs) He threw 19 pitches, 16 strikes. He's not going to walk a lot of guys. There you go. There is your splash for Thursday. February 29th, Leap Day. Coming up, we'll uh, set the scene as we're out here live. Salt River Fields, a talking stick for D-back. Spring training, getting ready for their game today against the Giants. We'll be joined by Mike Hazen later in the 6 o'clock hour as well. Spickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Spring training coverage presented by Kona Big Wave. D-back spring training. Live from Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. Bickley and Murata on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. Well, I, I love what they did. Jock Peterson's going to bring them some power from the left side. Uh, Eugenio Suarez is going to bring them power from the right side. He's going to strike out 200 times, but he's going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. He's a demonstrably better defensive player than he was, say, three years ago. And he's one of the best clubhouse guys that I've ever seen. I'm really surprised that the Mariners moved him. I understood there was a financial component there, but that team kind of revolved around him and his energy in the clubhouse. And that's what he's also going to bring to the Diamondbacks. Plus it- that's uh, Tim Kirkchen on our show yesterday from ESPN, giving his overall thoughts on what the D-backs were able to do this offseason. We know this. We know that Mike Hazen, his front office, and this organization was one of the busiest, most active teams in acquisitions this offseason. Uh, it was promised. Um, Mike Hazen was very forthright uh, in that World Series run on what he felt he failed at, at providing the Diamondbacks and went out and corrected those things. And I think Tim Kirchner feels a lot very similar to how a lot of people feel, both locally and nationally, about this baseball Well, team. yeah, if there were a master list of, of things and items and positions 
positions that Mike Hazen needed to address, he went above and beyond, I think, what most people expected. Um, and so, and I think the Randall Gritchick acquisition, now again, that's that's uh, more of a flyer than anything else for a guy that's coming off of uh, bone spur surgery in his ankles, but it's, uh, it's, it's sort of indicative that, A, Ken Kendrick uh, wasn't lying when he said he was going to open up and spend for this baseball team, and, and I think Mike Hazen did a real good job of executing it. So now you've got a baseball team with a lot of youth, and, and you've got the um, the real exciting element of maybe this their young players actually getting better. Mm-hmm. You've got a pitching staff that on paper can be absolutely terrific if they're healthy and firing, and, and you got now uh, a real kind of sense of veteran depth around it all, which is which is really really good. So, you know what, what they went out and added. I I I I don't have a quibble with any of them. Uh, with any of their moves, but I generally don't with Mike Hazen. I think he's obviously one of the best at what he does. Um, I, it's I, I, and I and I hope that the Diamondbacks are able to kind of find that find that vibe and and get off to a good start and just kind of keep this thing rolling. Yeah, among those veterans that were added, and Tim Kirchin made reference to one of them. Big, uh, upgrade at third base. They get Eugenio Suarez from uh, the Seattle Mariners, and that is his reputation. Great clubhouse guy, and oh by the way, still has a lot of pop in that. Bat. And Tim Kirkton was very honest about it, too, said he's going to strike out 200 times. He does strike out a lot. Uh, but he also sat down with Burns and Gambo earlier this week as they were out here at Salt River Fields. And he talked about knowing the importance of bringing energy, having fun, and also being a leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, I got that natural. You know, I try to be the best Gino Suarez on the field, off the field, on the clubhouse. I'm always happy. I always smile. It doesn't matter what, what happened in the game. I'm always going to be my best face. I I mean, my best smile. And, you know, I understand this game is so hard, so I got to enjoy it a lot. And I've been around for a long time, and uh, now I understand it's not just be good on the field, you know. You got to be good on the, off the field, yeah. on the clubhouse, you know. You got to be more human beings. You got to, you know, like, it, it, it's, it, it, this game is so hard, so you got to enjoy it. And I tried for the last eight years. I've been, you know, I got hard times, but uh, at the same time, I, I tried to turn the pace real quick and be ready for the next day and always happy enjoy the moment enjoy the the talent that guy give it to me that that's more important to me you know that, that's why i always gonna be on the same on the same level pretty refreshing attitude uh, and not saying that yeah. that was lacking but to get no, that uh, in it spades. was a little bit lacking and, yeah. and i think that in a baseball clubhouse somebody who has covered the sport as a beat writer on a day-to-day basis is something you you recognize really really early on these guys are with each other um, a long, long time, mm-hmm. not only in terms of months, but in terms of hours in a day. And, and you can tell a clubhouse that doesn't have the kind of warmth and happiness. You need those guys with the bubbly personality. I remember when I covered the White Sox, Tim Raines and Ozzie Guillen were great like that. Always talking, always laughing, always getting into people. And it, and it really makes a big, big difference when you look at a uh, the culture of a team because these seasons are so long and because these days are so long. And the Diamondbacks have a, a lot of young guys who are very ambitious and very serious, and they go back to their rooms with two bottles of water and a laptop, and they get back to work. And mm-hmm. and it's it, so that, that kind of addition does make a difference. Yeah, uh, the, the bubbly di- personality in any workplace it does. That reminds me of uh, 
And we'll, we'll see, you know, what, what Suarez brings, and, and, and obviously that's a big plus for the Diamondbacks. But doesn't that remind you of, like, what Eduardo Escobar brought to the Diamondbacks when he I, was here? Well, I think this guy is way more than even Eduardo Escobar. I, I think this guy is even more of a friendly kind of yeah. happy, um, what's the right word I'm looking for? Kind of energetic, effusive kind of guy. Magnetic? Yeah. yeah. Radiant, yes, yeah, stuff like that. A David and, and, Ortiz type, almost. Y- y- yes, and you really—that stuff really, really helps a baseball team. Yeah, and the biggest news there in that own sound in that soundbite, we're wondering: is it Eugenio? Is it Gino? And I know I Bernie was calling Gino. him Gino. He yeah. called himself Gino. He though. likes Gino. Yeah, yeah. I like I like doing an AU chant. AU, <laughs> anyhow, right, right, right. But uh, I think it's Gino. And, and the other thing with baseball teams too is is there are always I, I won't say clicks but but you know this is a multicultural sport and you will have a lot of the latino and hispanic players hanging out with each other mm-hmm. and a lot of the american born players hanging out with each other there needs to be people who pull all of them together mm-hmm. and, and, and suarez and, appears and to be one, one of those guys, guys who's, yes he's one of these guys one yep. of those guys <laughs> uh, also uh tim kirkton we covered a lot of ground with him yesterday on the diamondbacks and he talked about uh the state of the diamondbacks pitching staff I think their starting pitching will be a need if, of course, Brandon Fought doesn't pitch the way that he did. Um, then you're going to need, you know, you're going to need a four and a five starter pretty quickly because you're not lasting in today's baseball with three starting pitchers. Even though the Diamondbacks did an awful good job doing it last year with two, uh, for the most part, they're going to need more than that. That's the one concern. I like their bullpen, especially the way that it pitched down the stretch uh-huh. last year and in the postseason, you know. Suwald uh, and uh, you know Ginkle, those guys were great. Even though Suwald gave up a really big hit um, in the postseason, I like their bullpen. Should they have added somebody else? Yes. Is it too late? No. So, uh, and, and we know that Mike Hazen is really good at building a team, and I think they'll add one more guy before the season starts. Um, yeah, he, Tim Kirkchin, just you can hear it. He doesn't sound as optimistic on Brandon Fott as I think we are locally. Yeah, and I, I, I found that interesting um, because, you know, Brandon Fott dealt with pressure amazingly in the postseason last year. Well, he but, dealt with a lot of adversity. A lot of adversity, yeah. too. But also, you know, for him coming in and having that, that reassurance, the number four spot is yours. You're not the three guy anymore. And, oh, by the way, You've been through a postseason now. It's got to do wonders for his confidence. We talked to Brandon, you know, last week on the show and noticed a, a change in just his his comfort level. And, you know, last year in, in talking to Brandon, he seemed a little bit overwhelmed in, in, in doing interviews, not just with us, but overall. But it, it, you know, he appeared to be much more comfortable. And I think that doesn't say everything, but it says a lot about comfort level and growth uh, for a young player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, Tim Kirkson's right. The, the the battle for the fifth spot is going on um, and there's no shortage of candidates there going to see another one on the mound today at 110 with Ryan Nelson going for the Diamondbacks so um, I really like uh, you know the, the state of the pitching staff and I know you're yeah. really high no, on the I really really am and, and again I, and, and something I'm going to get into a little bit later on and I wrote about today the the collective experience that this young group <clears throat> had during their uh, playoff run 
You know, we talk a lot about uh, teams that, you know, uh, suffer a hangover from reaching the pinnacle and losing and not winning a championship. I think veteran te- veteran teams that win champ or lose championships, maybe maybe you don't get the 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 uh, the momentum push or the tailwind. A young team that has been now through that uh-huh. kind of ringer and that fire, that baptism by fire, it can't help but help them. No. We're going to get into that more later, but but Brandon Fott's one of those guys. There's any number of guys on the Diamondbacks who who walked into a crucible last year, mm-hmm. either in Philly or against the Dodgers or in Milwaukee, and succeeded with a ton of pressure on them. And it's going to make it's going to make your road trip to New York in August seem like nothing. Yeah, after that, absolutely. Coming up next, Suns back at it tonight, starting a crucial stretch for them against the Houston Rockets. We'll get into the latest with the guys in purple next. Pickley and Murata mornings. Live from Salt River Fields, a talking stick here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. He did most of it except for the, uh, you know, the, the end of game stuff at the, uh, the end of practice. So what's his, what's his status for tomorrow? Yeah, he and Eric are both questionable. We're both going to uh, both participated today in the no contact stuff, and uh, we'll see how they respond. Frank Vogel updating the situation on uh, Bradley Beal and throwing in some information on Eric Gordon as well. Suns were shorthanded at the guard position uh, last Sunday against the Lakers. Both Beal and Eric Gordon listed as questionable for tonight. Yeah. But, um, yeah, get the, getting them back is important, but right. uh, also stacking wins, that's the more important yeah, thing right Yeah, and I think, I think we can see it Eric, for Eric Gordon at this stage of his career. He is not going to stay healthy for long swaths of time. No. That's just not going to happen. He spent a lot of time on the questionable, probable, <laughs> yeah. teeter-totter yeah. this year, definitely. Yes, he has. So, so our, my hope is that when Bradley Beal gets back, like last time, we're going to have a nice, long, chunky um, stretch of schedule where he is going to be available, and not just for him, but just so for everybody else, to get some clarity, to get some definition, to really build something um, that feels like an identity going into the playoffs. Um, like I said, I'm not sure what you're going to learn out of these next couple of games against the Rockets. I hope what we learn is that the Suns are a better team and and had the wherewithal to just take care of business. But then after that, we're looking at, what, 22 games left after that? After these two against the Rockets, yeah, yeah 22 and, games. And it gets right after this stretch, Bick, it gets a lot yeah. tougher. Oh, yeah. There's, you went through the schedule. There are some real heavyweight battles um, in that schedule where stacking victories is going to be difficult, particularly given the urgency of the moment and all that. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> that stretch of schedule is just ridiculous. It's pretty, it's pretty something. But they're going into a game where I think there's probably a good amount of regret and maybe some anger on how the Suns failed to handle the Rockets last Friday. Eddie Johnson talked about it on the broadcast. Uh, the way the Suns started, and more notably the way the Rockets started, that should have been a game that was like a 25-point game midway through the second quarter. And yes. the Suns kind of just dilly-dallied around. They let the Rockets hang around, and you know they, they didn't shoot the ball well other than bowl bowl. They missed an opportunity to stack a win there. And they now, really like did. you said, the, the Suns are, with all due respect to Houston, it's a young, up-and-coming team. I don't think they're a playoff team this year. No. Well, no. they're capable, but the Suns are a better team, and they need to get these two wins. And and you said a word that I really think I would be disappointed if there wasn't some attitude from the Suns tonight in mm-hmm. terms of okay, we owe you one. We don't just we don't we're not here to win a game tonight. Just win a game. We're here because we owe you one, and mm-hmm. I hope they have that kind of energy because they should. Yeah, I mean that that game was the bowl bowl bowl. 
was the Bowl Bowl Super Bowl. Right? It was the Bowl Bowl Bowlerama. Yeah, I mean, that was a 25-14 and 14 game, and it's like, whoa. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that this is – I really do like the feel of the schedule this week. I really – I think this is kind of exactly what this basketball team needs to kind of brace itself physically and mentally. Yeah, and then that stretch. Uh, so, tonight, Houston. Saturday, Houston. That's the Amari Stoudemire night. Sunday at uh, against Oklahoma City. Then at Denver. Toronto at home. And Toronto – uh, already beat the Suns once this year. Then Boston. Then at Cleveland, at Boston. A, a soft one uh, on that trip against Charlotte, and then at Milwaukee. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. So, right. Uh, these are it's big boy basketball right oh, there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and that's not to say the Suns can't step up, because a lot of the times in those games, I've seen the best from this team. That, you know, they've got the pedigree to to handle those individual big mm-hmm. matchups. It's sometimes the, the lesser stuff that they struggle with. So, either way, we're getting real close to the stretch run. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be, so it's going to be theater. Yep. Tell you that much. Frank Vogel also talked about what uh, his team needs to improve upon this time around against the Rockets. Going into the Houston game, you know, I just think um, you know, we just had some bad runs, you know, in the, in the middle part of that game. Um, some coverages we can definitely uh, tie up. I don't think we, we passed the ball as, as well as we have over the last month or so uh, in, in that game. And, um, you know, obviously we had a terrible shooting game. So those those things uh, are connected, right? The better you pass the ball, the better you're going to shoot the ball. So you know, hopefully we're better sharing it offensively. Yeah, uh, Kevin Durant, as I pointed out earlier in the week, coming off of that Lakers game, has not shot the ball great for him, certainly, uh, with the standard that he's set. But he talked about um, his own individual work to get his shot back at this point of the season. Uh, it's just a mental thing um, more than anything. We take bad threes. I think that's what got me last few games, taking, taking bad threes. Because if you take away the three-point percentage, I'm like shooting high percentage inside the line, you know. So a lot of times when I'm not shooting well, is that I'm rushing threes or trying to shoot heat checks and, and trying to – I think I, I, was, I was 10 for 19 in the Houston game, I remember. And I shot two bad, like, deep threes just, like, as soon as I caught it instead of, you know, I was putting pressure on the rim. I should have put more pressure on the rim, and then maybe that third three would have went down, you know. So it's just a mental thing, a shot selection thing. I can work on my shot all day, but if I take horrible shots over three people, they're not going to go in, you know what I'm saying? So this is about how I approach the game more so than, like, you know, at this point in my career, just getting extra work in. I know how to shoot the ball already. Yeah, and Kevin Durant's one of those guys, too, that, you know, you know with his offensive skills, he doesn't need to take bad shots over three guys. To, to his own point, when he when he is in the zone, he can get to whatever spot he wants, yeah. and whether or not it goes in is another story. Yeah. Most of the time, when he gets to his spot, it's going in. Yeah. Uh, I would look for a, for a big time improvement, not just from Kevin Durant, but also Devin Booker. Yeah, both yeah, of those was, guys are scuffling a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I I, I agree. So I, I think that's another thing that I look forward to kind of seeing because some of these games, um, some of these games that have not produced the outcomes that we have all wanted. There have been any number of, of shots that had Kevin Durant made them. These outcomes would have looked different, and sometimes it really does get down to that to that 
uh, simplistic of, a, of an approach that um, it, it's a make or miss league. And a lot of times, you know, if these guys are having an off night, it's it's going to it's going to lead to negative outcomes. So I just I, I'm 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 real excited now because this team, as Jared pointed out. So if you look in the case of Bradley Beal and the injury he's been dealing with, you look at the All Star break plus this week. And had this been a more condensed area of the schedule, that could have been a lot more games he could have missed. Absolutely, a lot more. And we talked about it when that injury happened. Oh, thank goodness it's happening right before the break. Indeed, didn't expect to be three games in, possibly four games in after the All Star break, and still be dealing with it. But yeah. hamstrings are and tricky. That's the that's the medical terminology. They're tricky. <laughs> yes, and, and here's the other thing that I really want to happen. Um, I was talking to some people who are Sun season ticket holders yesterday, and they have. They were talking about how the vibe this year has just been very, very bizarre, very, very off, um, not nearly as loud. Clearly, in the case of the Lakers, there were many more enemy fans. Uh, this would be a good time for this basketball team to to, to kind of get the Valley rallied around them. It's not on us to go, okay, it's our time to get that team lifted. It's time to get them elevation. It's time for them to play at a level that gets us all like, okay, now it's begun. Now the real stuff has happened here. Yep, uh, Suns and Rockets tonight at Footprint Center. First of back-to-back games between those two teams, 7 o'clock tip. 6 o'clock pregame, you can hear it on Arizona Sports on 98.7. And the Arizona Sports app. NASCAR is returning to Phoenix Raceway March 9th through the 11th for the Shriners Children's 500. Uh, NASCAR heads west. You can see drivers like Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott. For your chance to win tickets, head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next, we'll continue on this Thursday edition. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings on location live. Salt River Fields at Talking Stick for D-Back Spring Training here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Spring training coverage presented by Kona Big Wave. Live from Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. Bickley and Murata on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. And we continue the Thursday edition of Bickley and Murata mornings live from Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. Our first trip out here this baseball season. It's our pleasure to be joined by Diamondbacks pitching coach uh, Brent Strom who sits down with us. Brent, thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Good morning. We got the, uh, the news release uh, just moments ago that the uh, D-backs National League Championship ring ceremonies March 29th are you a big uh, size you wear Brent yeah are you a big show off the hardware guy I I have fat fingers (laughs) uh, I'm about a I think I'm about a 12 and a half or 13 there you go there you go Um, I've like many very very optimistic about the potential of this pitching staff let's talk about a couple members of this staff what Merrill Kelly did in the postseason was filthy I mean he you talk about taking your reputation to another level from a guy who has seen a lot of great pitching. How did you process what Merrill Kelly put out during the postseason last year? Well, you know, we, we uh, you know, there's no secret that uh, Zach struggled a little bit, you know, Gallon uh, and uh, fought, obviously picked it up, but Merrill, Merrill uh, really stepped it up. He uh, he pitched to the game plan that uh, Dan Heron had uh, had talked to him a little bit about. He uh, attacked the zone. I think getting some early runs in some of the games helped a little bit, but uh, he's really come into his own. You know, he was a late bloomer, came over from Asia, uh, talking to Tori yesterday, you know, when he first joined the organization here, I wasn't here, uh, a little bit uh, a little bit uh, slow getting involved in the thing, wasn't really sure of himself what he what he had, because this is a guy that was with Tampa Bay, didn't get to spend much time here, was kind of regular.
regulated out and had to go overseas to find his game. But he came back uh, came back with a, a newfound energy and uh, his pitch ability. The ability to spin the ball is really exceptional. It's uh, you know when I was at Houston, I had a couple guys. One Colin McHugh could really spin it. Uh, Merrill's right in that category. So I'm a big fan of of, uh, of spin, being able to uh, locate spin, be able to throw it for strikes, and then evacuate the zone. You mentioned uh, Zach Gallen's struggles, and he acknowledged his struggles at times during the postseason. What he did in his last out in Game 5 of the World Series was remarkable uh, in shutting down the Rangers for so long. Couldn't get the offense going. How big do you think a performance like that is for just the the, the mental aspect of Zach Gallen going into 2024? Well, you know, being our, being our, uh, our, our ace, you know, a lot of times you, you look in the postseason and there's, there's historical things about the aces being able to carry a team through a playoff he struggled early. I think. I think really what happened with Zach is the last 14 games of the season or so, where we, where he really was in line to win the Cy Young Award. Uh, I think the uh, other organizations started to get a little feel for what he was doing, uh, his attack plan, and I think they took advantage of that. And I think. I think what he's doing this spring is uh, in learning. He's, he's developed a slider now, which he didn't have before. He's got more confidence in it. I think we'll. Uh, we'll I, I kidded him the other day. He went from fifth in the side a third in the side. If you do the ratio, he should win it this next yeah, year. There you go. 5-3-1. Five, five, you know, those, those odd yeah. numbers, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Brandon Fott's obviously the, the postseason performance, giving the team exactly what they needed in those real high leverage situations. That was a revelation, and it took a, quite a while to get that young man to that spot. A lot of work put into that young man, including work by himself. How, what did you have to overcome together with Brandon in terms of trusting his stuff, in terms of location, in terms of attacking hitters how did you how were you able to sculpt what we saw at the end of the year well if you look at the look at the numbers what he did up in Reno I think he had 200 plus strikeouts and was very fastball heavy and that plays at the AAA level especially when you have an elite command of the fastball he brought that naturally which we all want I don't I don't want a guy who's successful in the minor leagues come to the big leagues and all of a sudden I tell him hey this kid's not going to work up here he's got to find that himself he's got to bring his game here see what see how the hitters react uh, we we changed his pitch mix. We moved him on the rubber a little bit to create some different angles, and that seemed to, to go. Because, you know, early it was uh, a lot of home runs, I think 24 home runs or so in 80 innings or something like that, which was unsustainable, at least for his success. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, he changed his uh, approach. Uh, we, we, mixed, we mixed pitches a little bit differently, added the two-seamer, uh, started to attack the hitter in different ways rather than just being so fastball heavy. Because I know for one thing, been in this game a long time, major league hitters can hit a fastball. And yeah. so uh, yeah. the game's actually changed now where the fastball is utilized to uh, to get ahead in the count, get your foul balls, but it's spin and off speed now that it really plays at the big league level. All right, so when you go out for a mound visit, when things might not be going well for one of your pitchers, um, who do you mess with? Who can you joke with? Who's in the worst <laughs> mood when you go for a mound visit? Well, the, the worst mood is the guys no longer with us, and that's Dallas Keuchel. I, I really did not like going out when, when when I was with uh, with Houston, uh, AJ used to say, "Go out and talk to him." And I just said, "Do I really have to?" You know, it was one of those things. So, because um, really you know, yeah, he would uh, he'd kind of look at me with disdain, like, "Why are you out here?" And and there were times I would tell him that uh, I'm just out here to buy time to let your buddy get loose out in the bullpen because you're coming out of the game, you know. And uh, so, but most of them are pretty good. You know, some of them uh, they don't make eye contact. Some of them they want to kind of feel uncomfortable. Others look me right in the eye, and we we, we talk about things. 
things. Usually it's not a mechanical thing. It's, uh, it's a suggestion or it's a, uh, uh, you know, have you thought about possibly this guy's weak on this or weak on that, let's say, or it's just a positive thing. It's like yesterday we had the, the game over in Cleveland and Morales was a young kid. He, he, he got wild. Uh, I went out to him and I reminded him of a, of a previous hitter where he had thrown three great sliders and with the bases loaded, he threw a good slider. So sometimes it's just mm-hmm. getting them back into a positive frame of mind, but it's a non-mechanical type of uh, trip. That's not Got the it. time and the place. Brent Strom, pitching coach for the Arizona Diamondbacks, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Going back to what you talked about earlier, and, and specifically with Brandon Fott, we talked to Brandon last week, and he said one of his goals this year is he doesn't want to go back to Reno again. Um, <laughs> it, it, for the young pitchers that do get sent down to AAA at Reno, which is such a, an extreme hitter's environment, how difficult does that make your evaluation on what guys are working on to try to get back to the major league? Well, level? you have to realize that I, I, I cut my teeth as a pitching coach in Albuquerque mm-hmm. with the Dodgers, and so we ran into the same thing. You know, San Antonio, which was a double-A franchise, uh, if you could hit in San Antonio with the Dodgers, you could hit in the big leagues, Steve Sachs. Uh, if you could pitch in Al- in Albuquerque, Oral Hershiser, you could pitch in the big leagues. So uh, re- it serves Amarillo and, and, uh, and uh, Reno actually serves as a really a test ground for these guys for their mental their mental strength can they withstand what's going on we try and let them realize that we're not looking at earn run average we're not looking at wins and losses we're not looking at some of the peripheral things we're looking at the real nitty-gritty how you attack the zone are you getting ahead in the count are you are you evacuating the zone when you have the opportunity are you pitching inside things like that that's the kind of stuff that we try and so you're going to see some people get called up that have uh six five point five eras and things like that it's just happens. Uh, and just for example, uh, one of our young guys, uh, Walston, who uh, pitched very well there, he needs to do some more additional work to get ready for the big leagues. Even though he had a successful season at Reno, I think he was seventh or so in ER, or he might have led the league in ERA or something like that. Uh, it, uh, there's, there's peripheral numbers that we need to address. Yeah, we covered uh, Zach Allen, Merrill Kelly, Eduardo Rodriguez, part of the uh, rotation now, along with Brandon Fott, and there seems to be a lot of interest and a lot of competition for that fifth rotation spot uh, with a lot of candidates there. How would you size it up this early in, in camp? Well, I, I, they're probably listening on the radio right now, so I'm not going to really say much on that thing. I think, I think, uh, I think uh, obviously, you're, you're referring to Tommy Henry and uh, Ryan Nelson. You know, uh, these are two really good friends. They enjoy each other. They spend time with each other. Um, Brandon Fodd, after his first inning he threw yesterday, uh, he wanted to stay and watch Tommy Henry pitch, uh, which is which tells me a lot. And uh, so both of them are in competition for this thing, and uh, we'll we'll just see what this what the spring brings. Uh, obviously, both of them had. Uh, periods of really good success and then some failures last year so uh, it's uh, you know and, and we, I don't want to forget some of the other people that are involved with Sacconi kind of is in the mix uh, we have a few other people but uh, uh, I think we're in pretty good shape right now with the competition good deal Brent thanks so much yeah, for stopping you, by Brent. sitting down with us we really appreciate yeah, it I enjoy listening to you guys on the way thank in you, all the time that. thank you appreciate that. Brent Strom pitching coach for the Arizona Diamondbacks our okay. guest here on Arizona Sports the local sports leader